Welcome into episode 54 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at by CA Simmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Christian, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, man. It's 2022, the year that I'm UCF gonna... wins the AAC for the first time since 2018. Gosh, it's so long ago. I'm going to do the thing that like all the sports broadcasts do and like they're like, let us be the first to wish you a happy new year when it's like eight o'clock on new year's day it's like yeah yeah you're the first ones you're the first ones to wish us happy new year thanks all right i gotta ask you a question why do we care about new year's no i hate new year's okay so all right so we can both oh, we, all right we're on the same page here. like why is yeah, new year's no, a thing that not, we like celebrate? it's nothing like it's i don't like it it's made up we made up the dates we decided when the new year is and then we celebrate what we decided it's, it's like we did it we successfully made it through a year like i don't get it. it's the same like i kind of feel the same way like slightly different but about birthdays we've talked about that before too i don't think on the yeah. podcast like i just feel you're like really so- weird about age like aging things because like, i don't whenever whenever anyone's like oh like isn't that crazy how like so-and-so's son like caught a touchdown in the um like sugar bowl and you're like yeah i mean yeah he grew up like <laughs> so but I just, it's a weird thing for people to be like, it's like, wow, like, can you believe that it's been 20 <laughs> years since this happened? It's like, yeah, because it was 20 years ago. I looked at the can calendar believe, and happened like, to notice. This was him as a child. Can you believe this is him now? And you're like, yes. He All right. Got I, older. We're so down the rabbit hole now, but it's another sports broadcast thing. So it's sort of on topic when sports broadcasts will like put up photos of like football players when they were in like kindergarten. They're like, wow, look how much he looks like himself. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Just, yeah. He's yeah. He grew I, up. Uh, could, could five-year-old Joe Burrow like laser a ball 50 yards down the field? If not, I don't care what he looked Probably. like in kindergarten. Maybe if he could, <laughs> then I'd be interested if it was like a photo of him just like, oh man, I mean, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Literally just like on the practice field, the under kindergarten, the practice field that the kindergartners have. With the kindergarten. <laughs> just chucking balls downfield like nothing. Oh man. Well, we're already off the rails. Should we, uh, we have a lot to get through. So should we get through, uh, or should we get started on our, our first topic of, <laughs> we of have a lot podcast? to get through. So should we get through? I like it. We should, we should yeah, probably get it. through. Let's get, let's get going. So this is another thing as, as is standard with the Pegasus podcast, whether it was when we recorded on Thursdays, when we first started, or when we went to Wednesdays or now we're on Mondays, sometimes it's always like something happening the day, like the day of that makes us like add a topic or change around our podcast. So we're going to lead off with a bunch of transfer new, transfer news that all kind of hit within the last few hours before we recorded. Um, I mean, starting off, we want to talk about the linebackers first, I assume. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. So Tatum Bethune, as we much, as, as, as we much speculated on the last podcast and, you know, uh, off the reports that we had seen, he did enter the transfer portal. I think it was maybe a couple days after. Maybe it was like the next day after. We yeah, we basically we basically broke it on the Pegasus podcast last week by um yeah. by reciting reports from other people. We really broke that news. So uh, yeah, congrats so to us. He did enter the transfer portal. Um, but it didn't take long. There goes the dogs. Uh, it didn't take long for UCF to kind of fix that problem, the linebacker position. As on Monday, they landed two commitments from transfers in the transfer portal. The first one coming uh, from Maryland linebacker, former Maryland linebacker Terrence Lewis, who was a former five-star, but that's the big one of the day. He missed his, freshman season, missed his freshman season with a torn ACL, um, but I, I think that one alone just felt like, all right, well, I mean, Tatum Bethune, it's a big loss, but feel really good about Terrence Lewis, a young guy who has a lot of eligibility left and will come in and likely start right away, I would assume. I have a question that I should have looked up before we did this. Is Oh, good. Is um is Terrence Lewis is he the uh, the first ever five star 
to play for UCF. And by five-star, I mean, I, the industry standard is 247 composite. I know we like to refer to Jordan Johnson as a five-star, even though he was a four-star on every recruiting service except for rivals. But like Terrence Lewis is like, I mean, he's like a bona fide five-star, 247 composite, five-star, five-star on rivals, five-star on ESPN, five-star. Or has a five-star ever played on UCF's roster before now? I don't think so, but I don't, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I like, mean, it, it, in modern times, because like, obviously like Dante Culpepper would have been a five-star if rankings were a thing at that point. Yeah. But so I, it's, and like, this is a really big deal. And the only like sort of question mark is he's coming off of an ACL tear, but that was like over a year ago at this point, I think, or close to a year ago. It was in March, I think. And like, that's like, it's a big injury, but like, we're kind of, it's not the nineties anymore. Like that's not like a, I mean, players in all sports come back from that injury and are fine, like all the time. So like, I don't yeah. like I, some people, not UCF fans are like trying to ding like, Oh, well, you know, that injury, like who knows? Well, didn't so, you like, say, you said, I mean, I, I didn't see this, but you said that two, four, seven dropped into like a three-star as a transfer, right? Yeah, but I think that so 247 as a three star transfer, and I could be wrong on this, but I think 247's two, two formulas are weird. This is why recruiting teams don't mean anything. And it's like to, to get from their recruiting profile to their star, I think they add like their college stats into the formula. And since he has no college stats, I think that just like tanked his ranking. Um, yeah, but he's really a huge, huge get. And we talked about last week how it would suck because Tatum Bethune, I mean, he was defensive MVP this year. We decided he, I mean, yeah. but he was flat out the best player on the defense for UCF. And that was a huge, huge loss. And they were already really thin at linebacker. And this is what's great about the transfer portal is UCF addressed and fixed an entire position group in an afternoon. I mean, with yep. Terrence Lewis and the Kentucky transfer, whose name is slipping my mind. KD, KD McDaniel. KD so, McDaniel. Thank you. That was the thing. We got like the little, the little bit of buzz that Terrence Lewis was possibly coming to UCF. And then we got the boom from Gus. So we're like, okay, that's, that's a big get. And then like, what was it? 15, 20 minutes before we were getting on here to record the podcast, we got another boom. And I was like, what's going on? And I <laughs> yeah, go the and second I boom I had, really threw me. <laughs> I had missed a text from you and I was like, oh, and then I saw like, cause you had texted me before. I was, I was going to text you about it. And then I realized that I just apparently missed a text from you um, telling me like 10 minutes before the boom happened. Um, so yeah, yeah UCF so set get... at linebacker. This is big though, because we talked about in the last podcast, the last couple of podcasts, how UCF's defense should be insane next year. I mean, it should be like, are, like I think that on paper, you could argue that there's a chance that 2022 UCF will be the best defense this, this school has ever fielded. And now you're throwing a five-star linebacker in there. And then another good linebacker who was starting in the SEC, or not starting in yeah. the SEC, excuse me, but playing in the SEC. If you go that, back That's to, huge. That goes back to, I'll plug it again, the, the thing I wrote off of the gas Bowl on Night Sports Now, was just about how much talent UCF has coming back on the defense. I know that was written the day after the gas Bowl, so it included Tatum Bethune, and so that no longer does. But you just yeah, kind of but plug, okay, plug just and play. Swat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like plug plug in Terrence Lewis there, and you're pretty excited about what UCF has still. And of course, Katie McDaniel, who who I think could obviously contribute as well. He didn't do he didn't really record a lot of stats at Kentucky, but it might just be a playing time thing. We'll we'll see what and and we'll see what he can do. Kentucky's but, not a bad program. Kentucky yeah, has not been a bad program games, for a while now. They won 10 games like what twice in the last three years? I think they've actually, yeah. I mean, they've they've really they've really turned stuff around there. I mean, it, uh Terrence Lewis, and I don't I don't mean to keep like focusing on him instead of Katie McDaniel. We're very excited about Katie McDaniels, just obviously five star kind of gotta talk about that. Coming out of high school, and we'll see post-injury, he was like a consensus eventual NFL draft pick. And that like the thing about five stars, and we talk about recruiting rankings a lot and why I feel that they are incredibly misleading. And while, you know, like what I always say is stars don't necessarily matter, but talent acquisition does like getting the right talent on your team matters, but the rankings can be misleading. The exception that which you talked about before is like high level five stars, like the top 30, 50 players or the top 30 or 40 players in the country. Those are, those are your can't miss guys. And Terrence Lewis was a can't miss guy. Again, the caveat is the injury, but if he is 
if he comes off that injury 80% the high school player he was, which I'm willing to bet will be a lot higher than that, he's an instant impact player for UCF. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge, huge portal get. And that's the whole, it's that, that was Gus's pitch when UCF hired him, was bringing guys who go to the Power Five back to Florida. This is a Florida guy who they're bringing home. I mean, it's just that Gus has lived up to that, and it's huge. And I think ESPN had him ranked as like, I think he was like the 10th best player in the country. I don't care what ESPN going. does. I just like 247. But just like that, just that's just another thing that like he was a very, very highly rated player, like stars aside, just in terms of, you know, when you're comparing, you're comparing prospects in terms of, you know, the rankings at their position and just overall, this is a guy who was, yeah, I mean, a big well, deal. I remember reading about him when he was a recruit because it was such a big deal that Maryland got him. That was like a yeah. giant coup at the time because, and Maryland had this phase where they landed this really, really solid recruiting class and it's, um, completely dismantled itself in the transfer portal this year but hey that's worked out for UCF so I'm not going to complain but yeah I just that this is the transfer portal era we're in I mean it's like this would have been an unthinkable situation even two years ago right like your best your top linebacker maybe your best defensive player leaves and a week later not even a week later you fixed it by getting a five star at the same position through the portal plus another guy who can start there so yeah it's it times are a changing in college football but it's fun we talked you know last offseason I think we talked about this a little bit that like as someone who hates the off season, I like that we have like two or three months of like portal talk now. Like it's kind of yeah. like free agency. And it's cool. Well, the off season is so long. It's eight months. Longer than it's any other sport. Nine, the other yeah, sports all play freaking forever. College football goes by so fast. I'm already, I've been down today. I really have. <laughs> this podcast is what's giving me life guys. So thanks for listening. I hope we're giving you some life too. If you like us revolve your entire happiness around whether or not UCF has a football game coming up. But I'm don't. excited. <laughs> they don't. Yes, they do. Spring game in April. Spring game will be very interesting because should we talk about the uh, transfer who has not committed to UCF yet, but it's looking like he's going to? Sure. We'll get back to the other commitment UCF got after that. Yeah, we will. But we're not trying to we're not trying to snub the FCS guy, but you know. No. But Kobe yeah, Perry? it's kind of what was his yeah. name? Kobe Perry. Okay, cool. I'm I'm, I'm still learning names, guys. Well, do you want actually do you want to talk about him now since we're on the defensive topic? Yeah, that makes way more sense. Let's talk about Kobe Perry. We were always planning to talk about him next. Um, yeah. So he last was, off season, I got to say real quick that uh, we oh you, we should say who Kobe Perry is. Go ahead, Bailey, yeah. take it away. <laughs> Kobe Perry is uh, a FCS All American from Austin P. Remember them? Um, the 2021 Conference Player of the Year in that conference. He had 85 tackles, 51 solo tackles, eight tackles for loss, a sack, forced fumble, two interceptions, three quarterback hits, three pass breakups. One of his interceptions was a 75-yard pick six. And he did that all, all that in nine games. Um, it's okay. So, pretty productive. It's okay, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and, he, and I should should mention, he's a defensive back, so I didn't even say that. Yeah, he's a but, safety, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I know he's been listening. It's weird how they list him. It's, he's been referenced everywhere as a defensive back, but I believe, yeah, he's a safety. Just adding which, like into UCF, I think a very good defense next year, potentially. Last offseason, they got this guy at linebacker named Bryson Armstrong, or I guess technically at whatever made-up position they invented for him um, from the FCS. And I went on a nice rant on this podcast, me knowing all that. Um, like, I just don't like, I didn't like getting an FCS transfer is not a big deal. The FCS is such a dramatic step down from FBS. It's not like power having group of five. And I'm just like, I don't know why we're making a big deal of an FCS guy. Then Bryson Armstrong, once they, you know, put him back at the position he used to play, was like one of the better players on defense this year, probably one of the best players. So I'll shut yeah. up about that now. I'm very excited about Kobe Perry. I all a all AAC income. So yeah. yeah it, no, I, it's... Also, I said Gus. We should also throw out the obvious here. It's like T Will is killing it yeah. in the portal. Obviously, I mean it's a three well, no, really Terrence, notable defensive transfers. Terrence Lewis was he he specifically well he referenced both of them, but I know he said something about um, T Will never giving up on him and. 
Because well, he was a guy that was that was interested in going to Auburn. He was headed right? to Auburn. Yeah, he, he was. He was, was uh, Auburn, Auburn was a favorite. Was a favorite. And then yeah. Gus got fired in Auburn's infinite wisdom, and he ended up at Maryland instead. And then fast forward a year, and without playing a snap of college football, he's back in the arms of Gus Malzahn and, t- and uh, T. Will. <laughs> so, <laughs> just Auburn, Auburn, and I know it's only one year, and we'll see. But Auburn firing Gus has was seemed dumb at the time, and we said that before we even knew he was going to be UCF's head coach. And it has just looked dumber and dumber as time has gone on. I mean, they have just. They hand, they handed him what twenty plus million dollars to have their worst season since twenty twelve, which is the most recent season Gus Malzahn wasn't their coach. I, I just it's 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 amazing what a joke of a program. But best of luck to Auburn in the future. Um, I'm sure they'll figure it out once they fire Harson. Um, eventually, Gosh. whenever that happens. But no, really, I I just you know I was we've been texting a little bit throughout the week. I was getting very nervous about the portal stuff, like very nervous. And there is still a major major issue that UCF has not addressed at all, which is O line. And they, that, I mean, UCF is going to live and die by where, where that position ends up, you yeah. know, where that position ends up by the time the season rolls around and they've missed down a couple of targets, but I was starting to panic, you know, they weren't getting anybody and that changed in like a three hour window. So I'll shut up. Well, and let's, let's shift the, the focus a little bit too, because the quarterback position is one that has been interesting ever since Dylan Gabriel left um, wondering who UCF could pick up in the, in the transfer portal as a quarterback. But one thing that kind of, came up another thing that came up on monday big college football news was oklahoma's caleb williams entering the transfer portal and not this isn't a conversation about him potentially coming to ucf because he's not going to but what i kind of want to say here is we you and i talked about this off the podcast about how this is just the landscape of college football now where if you're if you have instability at your coach like as the head coaching position you're gonna have instability with your roster and you made the point to me saying it looks so smart of Terry Mohajer to get a guy like Gus Malzahn who looks like he's or looks and sounds like he's committed to being here long term and that can really help a roster because you're not gonna have to be looking for you know I mean you're gonna get your normal turnover from the transfer portal that's just the the nature of it but it's not this like seismic shift every offseason I mean you look at like I mean look at UCF when Frost left I mean, if the transfer portal had been a thing then, I mean, like 2018 UCF doesn't happen. Like that roster could have easily been decimated with guys falling across Nebraska. Or also the other thing that happens in these situations, it's not like Caleb Williams is necessarily following Lincoln Riley, although he might. Guys just leave. They just look for other yeah. situations. And so, yeah, at the, like getting Malzahn was obviously a huge step in the right direction if Malzahn does in fact end up staying long-term. But that looks so much smarter in hindsight to get a guy who wants to stay long-term versus like a levy who would have been gone in a year or two, because like rosters, rosters construct themselves and dismantle themselves overnight. now, And that is all based on coaching stability. Yeah. It's, I mean, cause guys, it's like the situation with Williams is he's not necessarily leaving Oklahoma, but now that the coach that recruited him is gone, he has to reevaluate what's best for him in his future. And that's totally understandable. And then a lot of guys might be in that position. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's oh. a good point you made to me. Also, did you see Oklahoma release a statement about it, which was really weird? They dropped this really defensive statement where they were just like, Oklahoma is like a great program and puts lots of players (laughs) in the NFL. And Brett Venables is an elite defensive mind. And Jeff Levy is an offensive, like just this like official statement. I'm just like, why are you like tweeting your resume after your star quarterback entered the portal? It it looked really weak and desperate. That was strange. Especially because Williams wasn't saying like anything against Oklahoma. It's just, it's not that like he doesn't think he can go to the NFL if he stays there. It's just, he wants to play for a coach that, I mean, I don't know, a coach that can get him where he wants to go. And it doesn't mean that 
Oklahoma is not that school. He just needs to look at his options. And the way to do that is to enter the portal. Which there's two thoughts on this. One, the reason this is news is because he's doing it the right way. If you don't think players are using back channels to talk to coaches of other schools all the time, you're wrong. A player does not have, why? I mean, how, you see all these players who enter the portal and within 24 hours, they have their new school. So yeah. they, didn't, they didn't initiate contact in that 24 hours. And the second thing is every year, every off season, sometimes you hear about it, sometimes you don't. Head coaches entertain other offers all the time all the time. And that's not a big deal. It just happens. Sometimes it's casual. Sometimes it's a bigger deal. So I don't get how players doing that's any different. I don't get how players doing that. Like you hear all the time about a coach who ends up staying at his job, who he expressed interest in another job or maybe even interviewed for another job. I don't get why that's a, pro I, and it's not like there's a bunch of people trashing Caleb Williams, but I just don't see how that's different than a coach doing it. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, that's, it's, I think it's a, it's a, a shift in the right direction for college football. Honestly, it's going to change a lot of things, but I think it's, it's fair to the, to the athletes. That's the thing is when people say, oh, this is good or bad to me, that's secondary to just it's right. Like, I just yeah. there's no argument to be had against it. I think but there's going to be there's going to be pros and cons of it, but it's probably right. It's right for the, the students. The one students. the one like restraint on the rule that I hope they keep is that it's a one time free transfer. Yeah. Instead of being able. And that's not even a team thing to me. That's just more to protect players from themselves because you don't need players to. I mean, I mean, like there are players, a lot of them every year who hop into the portal, like I'm going to go find a, I'm going to go find a place I can play. And they realize they do not have another opportunity to play and they're just in no man's land. So preventing yeah. that is preferable. So I'm fine with the one time restraint. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Caleb Williams anyway. is not coming to UCF. Shout out to the right. six UCF fans who on Twitter think that that's possible. Good for you guys, man. <laughs> Wish I had. Instead, instead. UCF looks to be a favorite to land Ole Miss transfer John Rice Plumley, who was a quarterback for Ole Miss, turned wide receiver. Now he will be looking to be a quarterback again after leaving Ole Miss. He also plays baseball, so and will play baseball at UCF if yeah. and when he transfers here. He's definitely transferring here. Um, <laughs> I also like. Is it like Gus Malzahn? It seems like a prere a prerequisite for being a Gus Malzahn quarterback is having another school tell you that you can't be a quarterback. Like that is a um, consistent thing for him. It seems that way. Yeah. I mean, he, Nick Marshall was what, like a cornerback or something. I think he was a corner. Yeah. And obviously Thomas Castellanos, who was just brought in was, you know, recruited as a running back, I think by other schools. Florida and, like, State wanted him to play running back, didn't they? It's like every time Gus sees a player who's a quarterback, but other schools like, Oh, you could be really good at this other position. He's like, perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I think it's just because it signals athleticism. Yeah. And, and in that, in the scheme that he runs, athleticism is king. So this John Rice Plumley is interesting to me because we were looking at some of his stats and some of his videos. He is very athletic and he can definitely, I mean, he can, he's definitely got the mobile part of being a quarterback down. I'm not convinced he's that good of a passer like at all. So we'll see there, but I would say if he comes, if he comes in and if he does commit to UCF, which looks likely, I would assume he's going to be the starter next year, at least a start. I really, I'm interested. I want to see more. I haven't really looked at a ton of his highlights, a lot of anything really. I just saw, one video of someone I retweeted if anyone wants to look at it on my timeline of it was when they played uh, LSU in 20, I think it was 2019. That was when LSU was number one and LSU was dominating the game. It was a, the scores out of reach, but then there's these like three just electric touchdown runs that he just takes off and he is fast. He's, he's really very, fast. very fast. Um, which I mean, makes, I mean, they, he's playing wide receiver. So yeah. it, it's, they decide, okay, this guy's fast. Let's put him at receiver. Um, I think in baseball, he plays center field too, which again points to his speed, but yeah, it's, it's, he definitely has that mobile side of it down. I kind of want to look at more of his time at Ole Miss and when he played quarterback and see 
what he looked like as a passer because I can't really remember that much. What I would but... recommend is don't type in John Rice John Rice Plumley highlights because any quarterback can look good. Yeah, no, the highlight highlight cut. I kind of want to watch a full game of his. Watch his games. Yeah, see, well, I mean, watch yeah. his starts. I, I mean, and that's I, what they always say is watch watch film, don't watch highlights. Exactly. It's just anyone can not, look good in highlights. Yeah. Anybody. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I just, because the thing about a malls on offense is yeah, you like, he's perfect as far as being a mobile quarterback and, and shifty and crafty and fast as hell. I mean, that's exactly what you want, but you still need to be a threat to throw. That can't yeah. be all you can do. And I mean, listen, he's a good get. And I think the main reason to get him is we talked about, or I don't know if we talked about this honor. I can't remember. I, I can't discern anymore <laughs> what we text and what we say on the yeah. podcast. Sorry guys. If I'm like, well, as we said before, and it's brand new information to you. But I, I felt like so many of the problems UCF was encountering with transfers on offense and on defense to an extent was that they didn't have a quarterback to point to. Like receivers and running backs and O-linemen, which again is the big issue, they don't want to come play for a team and they're like, well, who's your quarterback? And the team's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, we, we've, got, we've got this true sophomore who was okay. Um, we have this true freshman coming in who was a three-star who another school wanted to play a running back. So why don't you, yeah, yeah come on. Like, I, listen, I think Mikey and Tommy are both great options. And I think either of them could start next year. But I'm just looking at it from the transfer perspective. You need a guy who's, this is a guy who for better or worse started in the SEC. And I think that is going to settle things down and help them get other transfers. Yeah, no, I think that that should be the case. Um, and yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how the spring game unfolds. Especially, and, I mean, obviously, if he, if he does end up at UCF, which it looks like he will. I have a hot but, take. I have a hot yeah. take. Spring game's going to be useless. Oh, of course, of course, it's going to be like in terms of determining anything, but it's still going to be a chance for everyone to like make a bunch of to jump to a bunch of conclusions on who's going to be the quarterback. The one thing that you the one thing that you cannot discern from a spring game is a quarterback's like legs and his mobility yeah. and how he can use that. You just can't because it's yeah. two touch on the quarterback. So I so we're just not gonna be able to tell. I, I honestly it wouldn't surprise me if Mikey comes out looking like the best quarterback just because he's going to be the most accurate of those three. Yeah. Um, so we'll and, see. Yeah, that's the thing that I wanted to say too about Rice Plumley is, um, is yeah, we don't know necessarily how he is in terms of the passing game, but in Malzahn's offense, it almost seems like the, the throws typically look to be pretty simple. There's well, not that's, a lot that's of what the offense is predicated on. Shots. Yeah, there's not a lot of downfield. No, you see a lot shots. of like screens and slants and stuff like right. that. And so, if he can throw, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to compare him without really knowing, but. If he can, if he can make those throws and make some of the same throws that Mikey is making this year, but he has that extra dimension where he's far more mobile, that's going to only help him. That's going to help his case a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad thing getting him. Getting him is definitely a good thing. They needed to get a transfer quarterback, quarterback, and they missed out on some other guys, and it was looking dicey. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's been it's been a good day for UCF. I know he's not officially committed, but I think that's going to probably yeah. happen by the time we're recording our next podcast. Uh, yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we record next week, he's committed. Um, and a solid cool. addition, I think, to UCF baseball, looking to stop disappointing every single year. Everybody, our, our listeners so, just went. They just did his nose. You down. said the word baseball. Baseball, and it was like, they're gone. Bye, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Yeah, oh, man. But no, it's it's been it's been a really good day, and it, it had looked it, things were like you said were looking a little dicey, but things look seem to be looking up. And I think if they can get John Rice Plumley in, I think that should help in terms of getting some more additions to the offense. But yeah, I made a critical mistake, and that was doubt Gus Malzahn in the transfer portal. Huge, huge <laughs> mistake. Never doing it again. I apologize, Gus. Thank you for continuing to listen. Um, I'm yeah. sure you we, listen every week. Gus. We say a lot of <laughs> we say a lot of wrong things, but I think one thing that we do 
stay consistent on is we do trust Gus. I think we we question things sometimes, but overall, we're we're big Gus Melzon guys here. All right, let's transition here into our, our next topic, which is something Christian and I have done. I think this might be the third or fourth year we're doing this now. Been doing first it time on the podcast, obviously. Obviously, it's the first time we've done a season on the podcast, but we've done this uh, in article form on Night Sports now, which is where we have ranked UCF's games from that season in terms of our, our enjoyment level and how much we enjoyed them. And so I think this is this. It's always fun. It's always interesting to kind of see where where certain games fall and how it always seems like there is a clear top, like top level and a clear bottom level. And the ones in the middle kind of just like, meh, they're all pretty much the same. So this is always, always a very thought provoking discussion for us because what is an entertaining <laughs> game is up for debate. And it also like famously, I feel like, like I remember doing this last year and I was like, oh, I hated this season. Like trying to discern oh, yeah. what game. we picked the most entertaining game for 2020. We picked the opener because we didn't know how horrible things were going to be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that was, yeah, I remember that because I remember my thinking was like, well, things went pretty downhill pretty quickly after that. And it was also just like, we didn't know if we were going to have a season at all. So the idea of like, hey, UCS playing a football game made that game so enjoyable. I had a game really high up that you hated last year. I put the Tulane game last year. I think I had it like third or second. And you had it like eighth, I think. So I'm curious to see where we're at this year. There was this year, I feel like there was a very clear top two and a very clear bottom two and everything else you could kind of order however you want. I'm interested to see where you go with this because I, I think like, I think I agree, but I'm still unsure about where in those top two and bottom two you've placed certain things. So there's we'll a clear from, bottom. There's like a very clear bottom one. You want to start there? And yeah, then go to the let's top? do it. Let's do All it. right. Who was, who, what was your 13th favorite game of the year? Cincinnati. <laughs> put it that way. Okay. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. I, I don't really have a lot to say on it. I just. All right. 12. <laughs> <laughs> nothing else to say wait wait really quickly i just have to say uh this weekend cincinnati lost and uh I, I just have to say this worked out best case scenario for ucf um because no one like no one's really transitioning now to like oh the group of five sucks it's just alabama's really good and since he went is now zero and four in major bowl games so shout out to cincy <laughs> for not winning anything i have to really quick mini topic on this i have a question for you because i've been yeah. thinking about this what would you rather have ucf do next year I just think it's interesting. Would you rather UCF go to the playoff and lose badly, or would you rather UCF go undefeated, get left out, and win a New Year's Six Bowl to go undefeated? I think as an exercise, I think it's easy to say the latter, which is what I would say. But in like, if it actually happened, I would be like interested. Because it's just when you take everything into account, like them going into the Big 12 the following year off of an undefeated season and a big New Year's Six win would feel like super huge. I don't, and then it's, it's not like as if like now Cincinnati made the playoff and lost, what was it 27 to six? Um, it's like making the playoff next year. Yeah, there would be the, like the storyline of like, oh, a group of five teams made it two years in a row, but you're not the first group of five team to make it. And if you're going to get blown out anyway, like it's not going to change much. So mm-hmm. I would take the New Year's six, I think. And one thing I do want to say about that 27 to six scoreline, I think it was vindicating for the both of us was that. Cincinnati hung around for a while because their defense played really well, but Desmond Ritter couldn't do enough to win them the game. He Desmond Ritter looked terrible. Uh, it was like finally the rest of the world saw the real Desmond Ritter. It was great. And as far as 2017 UCF, the thing is, first off, 2017 UCF, I'm sorry, I know I'm biased. That team was a million times better than the Cincinnati team. And the other thing people forget is that if UCF had made the playoff in 2017, if they'd been put in, they would have made it over Alabama, who did not win their conference or division and snuck in at fourth. So UCF would not have played Alabama. Yeah, it was they, like, oh, they wouldn't have beat Alabama. Well, they wouldn't have they to play play them. They would have played a Clemson team that lost to Syracuse a few weeks earlier. So yeah. who knows what UCF – and they would have, could have played Oklahoma or Georgia in the talent game, the national each of those. My take on the 
thing I said about which one of those you, you would want was just obviously making the playoff sounds better. I'm not trying to sound like a bitter UCF fan of, oh, I'd rather not make the playoff because I get that sounds stupid. But when UCF beat Auburn and went undefeated in 2017, UCF, and this was mainly off claiming the national title, UCF was the storyline throughout that offseason. I mean, UCF was literally the main talking point of college football for six months, and it was nonstop. It was all about what can no matter No matter how anyone felt about it either. It was like, no, wow, it was, like, yeah. It's just, they were the topic. They were the discussion. And Cincinnati lost that game, and now they are just done. No one's talking about, like, they, they are just completely off the radar, just like every other team loses the playoffs. So I think it's more valuable to stay in the conversation than to drop out of it completely. So that may, that uh, I would never tweet that take because Cincinnati fans would just be like, look at this bitter UCF fan. Yeah, thinks not they're making. doing anyway. Well, they're all like, every reply to Cincinnati fans, UCF fans is like, ha, we made the playoff, you make it. And I'm like, you are 0-4 in major bowls. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I, that is so sad. I like the new talking point for UCF Twitter mafia is like the – um. I don't even remember how many years it is, but they like say how many years the Cincinnati's football program has existed. Yeah, 130 years, major zero major bowl. Want a major bowl. Yeah. yeah, I definitely want to go there. Yeah, I, you always want to play for a school that can't get it done on the biggest stage. That's that's what everyone dreams of. All right, anyway. Cincinnati so, yeah. and Notre Dame. So yeah, literally, so, oh, Notre Dame 0-8 in uh, major yeah. bowls. Cincinnati 0-4. UCF 2-1. Soon to be 3-1 and next year. Okay. All right, um, so you said there's a clear bottom two. What was your 12th? What was number 12 for SMU. you? SMU. Oh, I put Navy. I don't agree with that at all. I didn't. What did you enjoy from the SNU game? Did you enjoy a second of that game? Uh, early in the game. <laughs> I enjoyed Parker Navarro's uh, surprise touchdown. I feel like you're misremembering. Like, UCF was well, no, no, no. Here's late what... on Navy. I mean, they had control of the game until, like, the fourth quarter. Well, here's the thing I have to put a caveat in here is, like, I didn't get to watch the entire SMU game. Remember, I was in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's good. So point. I watched, like, the first half of it. Things quickly unraveled, and I was like, all right, see ya. I'm done here. But I that's why it's second to last to me. You got to look at the situation. Like going into that SMU game, UCF was, what was their ranking? Or what was their uh, record at that point? Like seven, like and, seven three. and three. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow. They have all this momentum. The defense has been playing great. They could get to 10 wins with a bowl game if they win this game. And then they went out there and just literally from the first snap were just, just completely uncompetitive and just boat raced. Like that no, was it horrible. Bo- it bothered me. It definitely bothered me. And to be clear, I don't have it any like higher than 11th. It's 11th on my list. Okay. So should I just, I just say where Navy, Navy is on my list? It's yeah. Navy, too. My, Navy was 11th. So we just okay. flipped SMU and Navy. Yeah. So Navy to me, it's, it's hard. I guess it's hard with hindsight because like during the game, yeah, like there was parts of it where I was like, okay, it's all right. But like, it was just so frustrating to me that they were even struggling with this Navy team, even with a true freshman quarterback making his first start. I was like, this is so frustrating. And then the fact that they lost it, and that I've just been like, I've just been stewing on it for how many months now? Three months, I think. It's just, that's the one, and we talked about it last week, where that's just the one loss from this season that we just can't get past. And that's the one that's still stuck in my mind. So that's where that has like just clouded everything I remember about that game. This is where we get into arguments when we do this list, because I agree yeah. that was a horrible loss, but it was an enjoyable game. Well, you were also there, so. So? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, just I like enjoy that. all games. Well, I just feel Except, like it would have contributed uh, contributed more to you your enjoyment of it if you were, I don't know, you were there. I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I didn't. I didn't enjoy watching Navy just run the ball down UCF's throats. Like okay, like I said, it's eleventh on my list. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's not like I had to, it. We don't have to stay hung up. But uh, we don't have to stay hung up on these. Two, I just, just I saying. just, I just wouldn't put it ahead. Of, I just wouldn't put SMU ahead of it. SMU sucked. At least Navy, yeah. they looked good for most of the game. Um. Number anyway, 10. You know what both, know those, games number, had, number you know what both those games had in common? They were losses. They were both the same combo. Oh. 
anyway ban that combo they can never wear it again yeah shout out to the 10 of our listeners that cared about that fact but anyway <laughs> on to the next we, well number 10 if it's not if we have to have the same number 10 right i don't know what was your number 10 yukon oh what did you See, have? yeah no i had louisville i just i put all of you enjoy mm. should i say where i have louisville on my list you have like fourth or something i have it at third christian that was a I really just, good game I can't enjoy games that UCF lost. But it, you enjoyed it until the last four seconds. The first three hours and 48 minutes of the I game. I really did I was very annoyed throughout like most of that game. That was a good game. That was a very I was very game. annoyed throughout most of that game. I was also not feeling well at the time. So you and Zach were both. We were into that game. If you guys don't remember listening to the podcast and yeah. Zach had really, we ate at this taco place before the game <laughs> and it did not agree with Zach and Bailey. It really didn't. I didn't, did not enjoy it. But no, yeah, I don't know. It's, I had it at 10. And if you're if you're a neutral if you're a neutral fan watching that game, I can see how it was an enjoyable game, especially the finish. Like that's a crazy college football finish. But being there live, having made the trip to Louisville, where like no one ever makes trips to for non sports. Here we go again with the Louisville <laughs> slander on this podcast. We love Shreveport, but screw Kentucky. That's trash. <laughs> I just yeah no I mean I don't know it was just to go all to go all that way and then watch them lose in that fashion and then see. Dylan Gabriel left on the field with a broken clavicle. It was just kind of like that, like shot the season. If Dylan Gabriel doesn't throw that pick, this game is like third on your list. If he doesn't throw that pick, like, well, it's just, I I couldn't rank any of the losses above wins. That's like my bottom four were all the losses. That's not how it works. It's how much you enjoyed the game. You can't let him fall after the game. No, I don't enjoy games that UCF didn't play well and lost. You don't know they're going to, you don't know that they're going to lose until they've lost. I mean, that's, that's a fact. That is how things work. But Except in Cincinnati and SMU. You knew pretty early in those. <laughs> yeah. Even All if right. we convinced ourselves that they were going to win both of those games. I, I, like, knew we were stretching with Cincy. Like, I felt yeah. like it, like I felt like that was, like, a Hail Mary chance. SMU, I genuinely believed they were going to win. That was a wake-up call for me <laughs> in the worst way. Um, yeah. Well, I had UConn at 10th. Where did you have why didn't you? Why didn't you enjoy UConn? Uh, you know why I didn't enjoy UConn? Because when I was ranking games, I thought back to that game and couldn't remember a single thing that happened. Still couldn't I had UConn, that game. I had UConn seventh. Wow. We, are, we, we diverged heavily this year. This is it was just close. It was just like one of those games where I didn't have to like – I don't like to be stressed when I'm watching UCF play. And so I enjoy myself more when they're like actually playing pretty well and comfortably beating a team. So I will say I do agree from that, that I know some sports fans like want like like really good games. Like I like to like have really memorable games like 2017, the USF game for UCF, yeah. for the Peach Bowl. Like in my ideal world, like if I got to pick the score for every game, UCF would win every game by 50. Like I, like <laughs> yeah. I, I would literally I want UCF like to just stressed. always win every game by a lot. Like, like I said, UConn is low. Well, yeah, I also docked it for I, I um, nah, I don't know if I should say that. People are going to perceive this the wrong way. I never really like the military like decal stuff as much as everybody else. I, I just think it looks very weird when UCF's in red, white, and blue. And yes, combos very much influenced my uh, my takes I mean, yeah, on these if games. You go, if you go back and look at any of our previous game rankings for e- any year, we can see, I think you mentioned like uniform combos and a lot of a lot of that. That's part of the game. And that's part of how much I enjoy the game. So no, I'm not, I'm not like slighting you for, I, I think I agree, but it was a good combo. Like you said, didn't wear anything bad this year, but I just, you know, it's the military, the military game. I'm just kind of like, all right, we got to do this, but I get, it's a very good cause or it's not a cause not giving money, but it's just, you know, <laughs> good cause. people like yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I couldn't tell you a single thing about that game. I, I don't remember anything that happened. I don't remember a touchdown that occurred. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know I was there. Don't, don't know what happened. The weather was nice. I enjoyed that too. All right, let's do ninth. Number nine. 
Uh, I had Bethune Cookman. I also had Bethune Cookman. We finally nice. matched up. We're back up. We're back lining up again. Yeah, I don't know. This one just like the those those games never really like mean much to me. It just means less. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, like, I don't know. know. It it's, one... it's an FCS game. It was fun. Dylan's thirty yard run for the score was cool. Seeing Mikey Keene for the first time is cool, but. Isaiah know. Bowser having like would he have like four touchdowns in the first half or something? Yeah, four touchdowns yeah. by halftime. There was yeah, another was... freaking lightning delay, which definitely docked this down my list. You know, it's not fun waiting through lightning to watch an FCS game. Like that's not like high on my list of things. But yeah, yeah, it was a game that occurred. It was, and it was. So here's where it's funny because we'll get into the next one too, where I let I let like my personal situations influence my like rankings on these like i wasn't at the bethune cookman game so i wouldn't say like i enjoyed it as much as like maybe a a less fun game but like i was there if that you go about this sense. so differently because if i was ringing that way i've had ecu and memphis last because yeah, i had to miss both there. of those with covid stuff and i was just miserable that i wasn't there but they were you know yeah but like bethune cookman i wasn't at that game and like i enjoyed it watching it from home but it was just kind of like eh, yeah like it's on the tv but like sure. well definitely like an fcs game watching that from home like i don't know how much you're even paying attention about like the second quarter <laughs> like it's just not, like what are we doing here much. you know not much so um, if we already said your eighth i'm losing track we haven't said it but i you might know what it is uh eight, eighth for me was tulane uh i uh, i had tulane at seventh okay because tulane i was another one where like it was it was thrilling at the end really um getting a big defensive a stop really after, good game at the after end. the score yeah but just throughout most of the game, it was bad. And this was another one that I wasn't able to make it for. That was the weekend where, you know, my friend, we talked about this on the podcast, my friend proposed to his now fiance that day. Still one um, of the most selfish things I've <laughs> ever heard of. I so just, I watched. I so watched self-absorbed to do that. Barely any of that game. I, I literally watched, I think, like the last six or seven minutes standing uh, at a restaurant, like at the bar, watching it on the TV. That, that was actually memorable, though. Like, I remember watching that defensive stop standing i remember exactly where i was saying like i think i'm gonna remember that so that's why i had it above bethune cookman another game that i wasn't this this list has gone from like what was the most enjoyable ucf game just you telling us well i was in a bar for this one so it's lower (laughs) than this other one i was in the stands for but it's higher than this one which i watched yeah a bar bar is better than couch but worse than stadium so that's why that's how my rankings are are influenced that's just the way it goes so my eighth that Tulane was my seventh and my seventh and eighth were completely interchangeable games to me. They were both games where UCF's offense did nothing. And then there was a thrilling finish and that was Tulane and East Carolina. <laughs> you could just flip those. I don't care. They were both yeah. the same game. So I had East Carolina eighth and Tulane at seven. I, I thought East Tulane's Carolina. ending was actually pretty cool, even though it shouldn't have like even been competitive. It, it was right. a cool ending. So yeah, it's point. I had, I had East Carolina. If we're just going to move on, I had East Carolina at sixth. Just, yeah, okay. there's, okay. It wasn't like... What did you have at 7th then? I said 7th. I said 7th was UConn. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. I only have my list in front of me, so this is getting common. No, yeah, when we do this on our website, which maybe we should not like this for the podcast, we, we would do a point system, and then we would like add our points together and have one list, but I like... Oh, yeah, I that. forgot we did that. Did that but way. I like not well, knowing... At the, end, at the end, we can both just go through our rankings 13 to 1. That sounds good. But yeah, I mean, ECU, it wasn't a fun game during, but it was another one where I had a fun finish. Yeah, it was um, a fun ending. It was, I think that was, might've been the first, the first game where it was kind of like a shock to all of UCF fans that like, Hey, we might not really have an offense right now uh, for the first time in a while. It was uh, it was also Mark Anthony Richards debut to the fan base on that yeah. random fourth down. Um, I don't know. We knew, we knew going into that game, it was going to be, remember we both, uh, we predicted losses, I think, didn't we? Well, I did. I don't know if you did. I may not have, I'm not sure. But I just, I think I've no, we predicted losses, but remember we thought that was going to be a shootout. 
The one thing I you're right. Oh my god, you thought it was gonna be a shootout, and it was what it was like sixteen to ten or something like 16 that. Sixteen to or? something like that. Sixteen yeah. to four. I don't know. Um, it was it was a close. I, I will. Uh, I remember that one of my predictions for that game was this game will do nothing to restore the UCF's <laughs> fan base faith in the team because that came after Navy, right? Yeah, that was the first yeah. game after Navy. Because well, even got... Navy, they scored how many points they scored against Navy? It was like 31, 24? I don't 21. remember the score of that game. Twenty one. Twenty one. It was fifty six to twenty one, wasn't it? No, the Navy game. Oh, the Navy game. It was thirty four to thirty one. Yeah, see, they still scored over 30 points, and then they came back the next week against ECU, who supposedly didn't have a good defense, and they scored. It was 34, they lost 34 to 30, then they beat East Carolina 20 to 16. Yeah. That was by far the darkest stretch of the season. Lost to Louisville, Dylan Gabriel's out. Lost to Navy out of nowhere, squeaked by East Carolina, and then get just murdered by Cincinnati. <laughs> like, that four-game stretch was just hell. Then they yeah, basically just fun. stopped losing after that. Well, that, that's why that's why after the Cincinnati game, I think we're kind of just like, do, do they gonna do they make a bowl? Like with the way the offense is playing, and like, are they making a bowl? We were at injuries, that point, like I was at like, all time too. Like the injuries, I think, hit a peak at that point. Where yeah, like, Bowser was largely gone. It was just yeah. shoo, that was dark times. But they went six and one after that stretch. So, but it's it's funny because we mentioned at the top of this how there was a clear bottom and clear top, and then the middle ones were all like interchangeable. We we followed exactly that. Like yeah. That's all how it all, was. We have all the same like six, seven, eight, and nine. I think we did. It's essentially me eleven through like, three. You can order however you want. Make an argument for it. That's largely fair. I think one thing from putting oh, wait, this list do together. We have your sixth yet? No. Do we have yours? Yeah, ECU. Okay, my six was Temple. Okay, I had Temple. Wait, what were you gonna say anyway? I don't want to cut you off. Um, no, just the, doing this list made me realize how much I enjoyed the season. Like last year, it made me realize how much I hated the season. This year, I'm like, this yeah. was a fun year. Like I remembered a lot of, a lot of fun <laughs> of these games. Yeah, no, it was. And I, I had, so you had Temple at six. Yeah. I had Temple at five. We're and more was, or less, we're like a, a spot off, but we're the thing up. that really threw us through the, threw us off was your ranking of Louisville and mine. Yeah. You're hundred percent. Yep. That was the large like disconnect, but yeah, Temple how can you not enjoy Mikey Keene throwing five touchdowns? Who's all about all you Mikey Keene haters on Twitter. All of you eye test losers had to sit there and watch him absolutely torch a really bad team, but still look very good doing it. Five do touchdowns. Do what he was supposed to do against a really bad team. That's like exactly. the thing that we Five wanted. touchdowns. He had five touchdown passes. He looked awesome. Alec Holler showed up out of nowhere and was a UCF legend for three quarters. Temple was helpless. <laughs> It was a throwback to the 17, 18, 19 days of UCF killing everyone they played, even though UCF and giving up a no garbage business. time touchdown. And then giving up a garbage time touchdown to make me want to cry because I I even look freaking looked up when UCF's last FBS shutout was. I had it in my freaking drafts. I was ready to tweet it. And then freaking <laughs> Temple, they miss a field goal and I'm ready to press center and they drive down the field and score. Thanks, UCS defense, for nothing. I think it was but anyway, second team defense too, probably. Thanks, UCF. Well, I guess thank, by then, thanks, by then it was probably their third team defense. So the it second was team scout team defense, defense by that point. They were just get, trying to get bodies out there. But yeah, yeah, I like I, like we talked about. I like blowouts. They're fun. You know, it, it wasn't like a memorable game, but it was just entertaining. Good yeah. uniform combo too. Number five for you. Uh, the second to last war and I four. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know why I'm so surprised. I had it number four. Okay, why well, yeah, I was about to say you're acting I, for like some a, reason. I thought it was higher until the ending, which was really cool. It wasn't a good game. No, like yeah, on either it was really side, it was, just, game. it was just it wasn't even frustrating. It was just boring. Like neither side was doing anything for like whole quarters. No, I was frustrated, but I was also boring. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. It was. I was frustrated with the offense. The defense was fun to watch. I thought. I mean, I thought the defense. Yeah, I, I enjoyed UCF's defensive performance in that game, and then the ending. I think I gave a lot of credit to 
for this one for the ending because it's going to be it's a memorable one it was it's arguably the that, second like, most memorable war and i four behind 2017 for like a remarkably different reason but yeah yeah i mean it's it's the only those are the only two well i guess 2013 had a pretty a fun ending but all the other ones were kind of like by that one was 2013 gets ding though because ucf was supposed to just murder them in that game it yeah. was like not only we're we gonna get our first win over ucf usf we're gonna kill them it just i'm just saying in terms of the games coming down to the wire i think those are the only three right no a lot of them have come down to the wire oh well there's the overtime game too yeah. a lot of them have or they've at least been close throughout my childhood yeah. it was always like ucf would like barely lose to usf it was very frustrating and then usf would yeah. be like we're the best team in the state as they yeah do their thing as the, as they weren't um um, yeah, but no, yeah. I don't know. It was the ending. The ending to me was why I had it all in my in my top four. But but this is the point I was making on Louisville. If that game ends with Timmy McLean, ha, remembered his name this podcast, throwing a touchdown pass on that last drive, you have this game at like a 12. Yeah, I have it lower than Louisville. Because if they're both losses, then yeah, the, I enjoyed the Louisville loss more than I would have enjoyed that USF loss because it was a more enjoyable game. But I, the fact that it was a loss really, really changes it. I can't look back at that game and say, oh yeah, I enjoyed that game when they lost whatever that, that makes no sense but can I give you my number four now sure you're not prophetic you don't know in the first quarter they're going to lose the game right so that but you're saying, enjoying the, the it, game so i mean okay yeah I, I can be enjoying the game throughout the game but then after i know the ending of the game once the game ends i'll be like yeah no that i it changes my enjoyment level of the game all right my it's like if four... you're watching it's like if you're watching a movie and you're like oh yeah i enjoy most of this movie and then you get the ending really sucks it's going to change your perception of the movie my number four was Memphis. You know that was a good... That was my a good. number four was Memphis. Okay, that was my number three. Uh, space uniforms, man. Or, uh, space uniforms always have to be top four, bare minimum. And also, that was like... Just watching UCF's defense absolutely like absolutely like destroy the hopes and dreams of an offense and quarterback was just really fun. They had two of the most like insane interceptions in that game. Just too. like stupid, awesome just interception. Like ricocheted off of like six players in the same play. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it was just... It ricocheted off the entire, you see it, like Memphis offense. One by one, it bounced off each of their helmets, then right into the waiting hands of Dylan Lester. But the other thing about that game was that it was that awful four-game stretch we just talked about. That was the first game out of it. And like UCF just needed that to just go beat up on it. Yeah. I mean, they needed that. Yeah. And then there was Gus getting his face jersey and putting it on. It was an ill-fitting face jersey. Um, I forgot about that. An, an iconic, an iconic moment in UCF history. <laughs> it's up there with him breaking his leg a couple weeks later. Yikes! I should have dinged Tulane. Should have dinged Tulane for that. Yeah, I was about to say. Although, although, would you consider that like is that is there an entertainment factor to a coach breaking his leg of, during a game? Uh, I, for for how much like annoyance it caused him the rest of the season, I would say no. There's not entertainment to that. Obviously, it's horrible, just like a player injury. But well, maybe not exactly just, the same as a player injury. There was entertainment factor to him being on a throne the next game. Yeah, like that. That was something. That was. I think thing. it was just like, it was just so weird. It's one of those things where I was like, yeah, you'll remember so many weird things about this UCF season. That was one of them. That Certainly was, memorable. I wouldn't say enjoyable, but memorable for sure. That's definitely a UCF lore thing. Now was Gus Malzahn breaking his leg halfway through a season, having and, to coach from an elevated platform. <laughs> Man. And then him like making the trip down the elevated platform at the end of the USF game when he like he's like I knew the game was over. <laughs> this is <laughs> I know I will never forget. I'm in the press box watching that game and I go and you know Gus has been on his throne for like weeks at that point and they're arguing about the call and I look up on the TV and Gus is in the thick of things on the field and we're all like how did he get down there like no one noticed he was just suddenly on the field. Yeah. I cannot prove this and it's just total like biased BS. But I'm just gonna declare that they would have won the SMU game if Gus wasn't on the platform. <laughs> What was the score I, of that game? I'm mildly not joking. What because was the score of that game? Unimportant. I'm mildly not joking <laughs> because it was 55 to 28. 
because yeah. like that has to throw things off. They, I mean, they were calling plays and coaching in a completely different way. That has to throw things off. Yeah. Did, did, I mean, the defense lost in that game, so the argument kind of loses its heat there. But um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I think Fair. Gus on the ground is worth at least 14 points in that game. <laughs> it's possible, but it's still a pretty bad loss. That, not not if, not if you had in 14 points, it's a respectable loss. And I don't know where yeah. with this. All right, my yeah. number two. Um, I gave you my number three a while ago, which was Louisville. Yeah. So uh, do we do we don't have your number three or do we? Yeah, it was Memphis. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. What is your number two? Ah, this is interesting because I struggled with how to fit these two games. So did I. What did you put at number two? Florida. Ooh, we're gonna have to talk about this. I did not. I had, I had Florida number one. I had Boise State at number two. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about Florida first, I guess. Okay. So the, in a similar way to where like these were the two biggest wins of the season, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They were the biggest wins of the season. Um, and they booked and, in the season. <laughs> yeah. And I and I enjoyed I enjoyed the Florida game, but ooh, it's tough. It, it, it was a tough call. I'm not going to say it was like an easy thing. Like, oh yeah, I clearly enjoyed Boise State more, but I think as a game. I enjoyed Boise state more. I don't know. It's hard to explain Florida, Florida, me as a football game. Like there was a lot of bad football, you know, bad stretches of football in that game where I was just like, Ugh, this, these two teams are like hard to watch. And it ended up like they, they ended like the, the second half of that game, like obviously changed my perception, my perception of a, a bunch. And there was a bunch of iconic moments between, you know, O'Keefe's peace sign touchdown. And then just like the swings and momentum that UCF were at, at that point was just like, they're going to win this game. Like the, the more and more, like, Further and further went on, I was like, yeah, they're not losing this game. And like that feeling was like super cool. But as a game, on the game as a whole, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just I didn't enjoy it as much as Boise State. I'm going to just, that you're just across the board wrong. Um, the thing about that game was one, you're saying that there were like whole stretches of not enjoyable football. That's just not true. I, I mean, UCF's, is, UCF's offense started rough after the first three drives and they looked fine after that. I had I had a friend text me. It was it was early in the game. It was like the stretch of early in the game. I had a friend text me like both of these teams are just like they're just horrible. Okay, again, early in the game, like the first quarter yeah. was boring and the rest of the game was really good. Yeah. And the other thing is that that everything that happened in that game, like every pass caught, every score, every first down, means a hundred times more when it's coming against Florida. Like watching UCF play Florida on a football field, something that we'd more or less been dreaming about for years and years and years, and it really happening in front of me. Was and UCF winning by double digits was so freaking cool. And the other thing there with Boise State is I have there, I'm just there's no way in hell for two years in a row I'm putting the opener as the most enjoyable game. I'm, I'm <laughs> sick of UCF fans, like you know, they're not ranked, it so was, the season doesn't matter. It was the first time I'd been back in the bounce house for two years, and the atmosphere for that game after having a what two hour was it two hour and 45 minute range? Yeah, delay? it was close to three hours weather delay. And for that many people to stick around, the atmosphere being the way it was, them falling behind the way they did, and then coming back, it was like this. Like this was like, I was like, this is what Gus Malzahn, the Gus, Gus Malzahn era, is going to be like. It was just so much fun, and that was at a point where, I mean, yeah, the offense started off pretty bad. There was that pick six that Dylan threw that I'll remember forever. Jeez. I don't know, I still don't know what he saw in that pick. Um, but just the way they came back and seeing like a new iteration of Dylan Gabriel for however short lived it was seeing him actually like prove that he has a little bit of mobility. I was really, in, I enjoyed that game. And then it was like a, a pretty dramatic finish with a, like a knockdown pass at the end. And yeah, no, I, I enjoyed that game. And that's the thing is like, I don't want to make this too big of an argument because it was a hard decision for me, but there was just a little bit more for me from the Boise state game to put it at number one. 
Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the top two games of the season. So, yeah. you know, take that what you will, but I just, I don't know. I don't I, like UCF. We, we've talked about in theory, UCF playing Florida for God, like off and on for five years and yeah. seeing it actually happen was really cool. I didn't need that game to be like a 45 to 41 finish to, you know, really enjoy it. Well, here's also the difference too. And like, this is, this is really just a fundamental difference on how you and I do these lists it's that I didn't take into account where I watched the game from. Yeah, basically like that. It's just like, <laughs> it's, it's my personal experience for the game. And I really enjoyed covering this game with you, but at the same time, like being with it, like in the atmosphere and being a part of the atmosphere for the Boise state game g- gave it a little bit of extra feeling for me. It's like, if I, if I would have been in the stands and like part of like reacting, like I wasn't able to react, like we had to be professional up in the press box. Right. So I wasn't able to. Yeah, no, you guys would have noticed in the press box banner slamming our fists on the table. I, was, I also like how you had to like, like, you don't want to offend me. You're like, I, I enjoyed being in the press well, box. Well, no, I did. I'm just saying, like, it's not like, <laughs> no, no, it's no, not no. like again, it's not that I didn't enjoy covering the game. It's just that it's a, it's a bit of a different feeling for me to watch it, to see a game as a fan than it is. I guess that's why I just don't it. care because I don't really go to games as a fan. Right. Like, it's, a, it's a completely different, like, like I said, fundamentally, like, it just changes everything about how we view things. Cause there are some of these games that, like, you had in a little bit of different spots than me and I had a different experience of those games because you were in the press box and I was in the student section or somewhere else in the stadium. But so we've talked about like, I don't enjoy going to UCF games as a fan and I haven't for I, a really long time. I do. I don't like it at all. I feel like I should be, cause when I'm at a UCF game, I want to be writing something. I want to like, I want to be zoned in. Like we've talked about, before, I don't know if I saw on the podcast before. Like, I know we talked about this a little bit Louisville. It fascinates me that people get drunk for sporting events. Like oh, I can't know that, that I, would, I don't understand. I would but. never, ever want to watch a UCF game drunk. Like that's way too important to me and like critical that I would want to be like inebriated as I watch it. Like that make that fat, no offense to our listeners who I'm sure do that. I mean, like I just, <laughs> it, I'm just, I'm just, uh, yeah, I like, I'm weird like that. Like I like watching games from a press box where I can write something where I can tweet, you know, where I can be, where I can have stats in front of me and replay in front of me and like fully understand what's going on in the game versus like you know i'm on my ninth beer and i'm like i think that was o'keefe is like you know amari johnson catches a pass or something so uh, you know yeah uh, you know but yeah so we we well, had two different. at least we're on the same page there <laughs> yeah i mean we had two different takes on this list i looked at it as most enjoyable games and they looked at it as his most enjoyable games so that's how we yeah my most enjoyable games yeah. it's right. my list so all right yeah. i'm not speaking for ucf fan base as a whole i was trying to so that's where we that's where we do. disconnected <laughs> but paley yeah. was like well you know the bar it was a really cool bar i was in for that one game. the smu one okay so the smu game that was a pretty cool bar that i was in which is like underground and yeah it was it was pretty it cool. underground did you watch it in the underground or upper ground upper the ground? underground is upper ground above ground above ground there we go there we go no yeah like the the underground part was like where i don't know the underground part there was like a bunch of tvs it was it was sick i forget what it was called i would shout it out if i remembered but <laughs> shout out to random tampa bar no it was in uh dc Wait, I thought, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. For some reason, for a second, I thought that was the proposal game, but that was totally one. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. Anyways, you want to go through our list one one more time and, and from, from 13 to 1, and then we'll move on to the football news because we're running a little bit long, but. Sure, why not? Let's do it. All right, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, I had 13 Cincinnati, 12 Navy, 11 SMU, 10 Louisville, 9 Bethune-Cookman, 8 Tulane, 7 UConn, 6 ECU, 5 Temple, 4 USF, or South Florida, as they like to be called some days, three Memphis, two Florida, and one Boise State. I had 13 Cincinnati, 12 SMU, 11 Navy, 10 Conflicts, nine Bethune-Cookman, eight East Carolina, seven Tulane, six Temple, five Warren I-4, 
four Memphis, three Louisville, two Boise State, one Florida, and a partridge in a pear tree. Can't believe you you ranked the civil conflict so low. I know. Rivalry games are just, just like bowl games. They're losing meaning, man. They, they just mean more. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed it again, as, yeah. as I do every year. It was okay. All right. <laughs> I'll jump into the football news. Um, not a ton now that we, we've covered the transfers already. But uh, Big Cat Bryant was named the Pro Football Network's AAC Defensive Lineman of the Year and the AAC Newcomer of the Year. Um, he and Tatum Bethune were all AAC first-teamers, while Ryan O'Keefe, Brandon Johnson, and Cole Schneider were second-teamers. Matt Lee and Sam Jackson are both honorable mentions. Uh, Mackenzie Milton was presented with his Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year award during the Fiesta Bowl, and he also got engaged. So that's cool. Congrats, Congrats to Mackenzie Milton. Yeah. Um, and finally, some recruiting, 2023 recruiting news. Uh, UCF made the top 10 for 2023 four-star defensive back Jordan Castell from West Orange, and they're in the top seven for 2023 four-star running back Cedric Baxter from Edgewater. So state of Orlando, it's a priority. So we love that from UCF's coaching staff. Um, this week's game of the week, uh, not non-football, of course, because football doesn't play again for a very long time, nine long months. Uh, UCF women's basketball, you know, COVID restrictions, uh, you know, aside, hopefully they're able to play this game. Um, they come into this week's game at eight and two. I think it's Wednesday. I forgot to put the day of the game. Um, they're eight and two. This will be their conference opener. They're playing eight and three Tulane on the road. Um, this is going to be UCF's first game in a little while because they had a game against Princeton canceled uh, due to COVID restrictions or COVID protocols. And then they had their previous conference opener. Um, also postponed. This will be their first game in a while, and then because they were supposed to play on Sunday, and then Tulane was also supposed to play on Sunday. They had their conference opener also postponed. So having that kind of a layoff, uh, not playing games for a little bit, it'll be a big game for them to, to see how they can do against Tulane, start off conference play on the right foot. Anyway, Christian, we'll move on to your tweet of the week, and then we'll get out of here. Tweet of the week. This week goes to someone you may have heard of. His name is Kirk Herbstreet. Um, Kirk Herbstreet on college game day, which, uh, you know, continues to just be a beautiful place of acceptance and love of college football and definitely not just an ESPN propaganda machine. Um, and you know, I used to not feel that way as recently as like three months ago, but I just, I, I, I like the game day crew. I love watching game day. It's part of every game day, frankly. And <laughs> it's just, you know, Kirk Herbstreet went on this whole rant about how players this generation, they just don't love college football. That's why they're opting out of bowl games. Of course, he got attacked all over Twitter for that because players are opting out of bowl games because people like Kirk Herbstreet and like College Game Day have spent seven years convincing them that the only thing that matters is the college football playoff and there is no reason to care about any other little thing. And then they have the, the you know, that they have, the, you know, the, the guts to do that for seven years, tell players bowls don't matter, and they get mad at them when players believe them. So that was something. But don't worry, Kirk Herbstreet went to Twitter to clear it up. He said, just wanted to clarify some of my comments from earlier today. Of course, some players love the game the same today as ever, but some don't. I'll always love the players of this game and sorry if I generalize. So he went to Twitter and was like, I need to clarify something and then just said the same thing. So he definitely gets tweet a week for that amazing tweet. So listen, if you're a, if you're a, if you're a college football player out there and you're listening for some reason and you're considering that you might want to opt out of a bowl if you're going to be an NFL draft pick next year, you know, I, I know that like you may need to like send money back to your family who may be on hard times or you may just feel like you're worth what you're owed and you're ready to start the next chapter of your life because you've been in college for X amount of years. Just remember that that doesn't matter nearly as much as the Duke's Mayo Bowl. And if you're willing to put your family ahead of the Duke's Mayo Bowl, then you don't love football. So uh, yeah. So congrats on that. You obviously don't love football if you're wanting to play, if you're not wanting to play in a game that will end with your coach being doused in Mayo. 
Yeah. Brian Kelly leaving for LSU. He, you know, he loves football. No, 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 yeah. You know, no, no one ever calls out a coach when they leave a team and don't coach a bowl that they don't, they did for, for chasing money that, you know, they don't love football, but God forbid a player miss, you know, the freaking tax slayer bowl to become a millionaire. That's wow. I, I just, man. So shout out to shout out to national college football media for some of them still just continuing to want it to be the seventies. It's really great. As is standard with this tweet of the week segment, I'll just throw in a tweet that I got this week. And so I tweeted after Cincinnati lost, I tweeted Cincinnati is still winless in new year six games. Oh no. With a frowny face. (laughs) And um, this is Patriot news five is their display name. And then Patriot news 51 is their at name. So I don't know where the difference is there. Um, I don't know why one's five and one's 51, but they said being in the CFP greater than sign being in the new year six, you won a new year six bowl game. Cause you weren't good enough to make the playoff. Yeah. Cause that's how, that's why, that's what happened in 2017. Yeah. UCF, UCF wasn't, wasn't good enough. enough. You know, they, they right. weren't good enough to convince three of the power five champions to lose two games. That, uh, yeah. yeah, that's really, and you know, so I, I just benefit from the, we don't have to get, we don't have to we're get not going to get get Cincinnati fans are delusional and watching them come to terms with the fact that their ceiling is getting blown up by Alabama is really funny, <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's so I want to know what to end on. So it's funny because that I got that reply and I just, I ignored it. And then it became this huge fight in my mentions. And you know, like sometimes I don't know, you'd probably get this where like people will argue and I was still getting tagged, but I wasn't getting the notifications. Like it was yeah. just disappearing from like my notifications setting. So I haven't even read this conversation. I had a fight in my mentions. Yeah. That I was never involved in. It was just in the mentions. Yeah. Something I tweeted no, go I... on for almost three days. And I don't mean like in breaks, like these, these people tweeted at each other continuously, like on the hour for three days. This one has like I, I 20, maybe 25 back and forth tweets. I haven't read any of it. I probably won't. <laughs> I don't know. I might, if I get bored, but Crazy man. yeah. It's fun. Love Twitter. You put Patriot News 5 in his place, whoever's fighting with him. Patriot News. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Let's let's just on that on that lovely note. We love we love the people on Twitter. We spend so much time on Twitter and then we just like disparage people on Twitter. All the oh, time. I love Twitter. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm obsessed with Twitter. I just, I, I, I just, you know, end the fight after an hour. Don't do three days. You yeah, don't need I'll to never, talk to someone I'll never log days. off, but I always want to. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with episode 55 surely more to talk about what we'll, we'll get into a lot of fun things this off season uh, until then though you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now once again thank you guys so much for being with us and we'll talk to you next week bye everybody